Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France across yep. the table from me. That's me. And in Over Los here. Angeles, Los Angeles, Los it's, our, it's our good friend Todd Roberts. Afternoon, sir. Well, hello, gentlemen. Um, I must admit, uh, I'm going to come clean. I'm not in Los Angeles. I am down in Tustin, North Tustin. Uh, at Nola's house, oh. so uh, um, staring through the backyard window at the pool area. <laughs> so, was um, wanting to I'm, go into I'm, the pool. I'm, I'm lounging. Uh huh. You have a cocktail. Well, you, well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, um, with a with a fire pit and a barbecue. <laughs> oh, man. Well, during the commercials, you can run out to the pool, dip your toe, and come back. There you go. I like it. Yeah. Well, it's a little <laughs> nippy out, so. Uh, I, you know, um, uh, my toe might shrivel up. What, all of 80 degrees? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a cold wave. He just saw a polar bear strolling by. Well, before we get going into uh, our program for today, which is Movie Saturday, which we always stream live from the Mo- White Stallion Ranch just Beautiful north of White Tucson, uh, we do have some... Uh, goodies to talk about first yeah i want to talk about uh on june 4th that's next saturday at 8 p.m the empire ranch foundation in collaboration with the loft cinema will host a free outdoor showing of the 1959 classic movie the last train from gun hill now the screening is part of loft solar cinema program that travels throughout southern arizona with a van that has solar panels and they inflate a big screen and you watch the movie and you sit outdoors under the stars and it's just it's just a hoot. Uh, there will be a chuck wagon there with uh, vittles. I think I think if I remember right, it's twenty dollars a plate. They'll start feeding around six, I imagine. But get there early, visit the ranch, walk around. I think there'll be some docents to guide you. Take some bug spray too. Grab, yeah, grab a bite and. That's that one. And the other announcement I have to make is uh, we're going off into July now. All right. Uh, And that's the National Day of the Cowboy at the Historic Empire Ranch Foundation. And that's always the fourth Saturday in July. Uh, Tour the Empire Ranch by horseback. There's going to be some little horseback rides offered, a 45-minute trail ride. And you can do a reservation on that rascal by... uh, www.EmpireRanchFoundation.org, and they'll give you the information, and I think you can sign up on it. Uh, it's at, the event will be taking place at the Empire Ranch headquarters on the Los Cienegas National Conservation Area, just outside of Sonoida, Arizona, located off of Scenic Highway 83. And there will be docent tours of the ranch house. There will be demonstrations and vendors, and it's just a great way to... Uh, celebrate the National Day of the Cowboy, and it runs from 8 a.m. till noon. And are we doing anything down there? Well, I, I will be down there. Uh, I, I may set up a little booth promoting the uh, Empire Ranch Library. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know yet. That's, that's kind of my back your thing, yeah. brand, you know. All right. Well, when you decide what we're doing, you let me know, okay? Okay. <laughs> you want to come down? I, I, I imagine I should come down. Okay, well, I think you should. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. When we, you said, when you decide what we're doing, well, you we're let doing, me know. Okay, well, <laughs> like I say, it'll probably be me uh, hustling the library. All right, okay. I can hustle libraries as well. Uh, All right, Todd, you got an announcement? I do. I come to you with a heavy heart, gentlemen. With the news of our good friend and somebody that we loved a lot as an actor, the uh, incredible... Bo Hopkins has passed. Mm. Um, I had heard about two weeks ago that he had had a stroke, but I didn't have confirmation on that, um, and I didn't say anything, but there we have it. Um, So uh, he's in a better place, and uh, we we will miss his work. and his intensity, uh, his varied uh, 
his varied abilities uh, in acting from the comedic in American Graffiti to the um, absolutely crazy in The Wild Bunch to his almost cold calculating uh, um, murdering possibilities in Midnight Express. Uh, he was extremely varied, extremely talented, and just somebody that I really enjoyed watching on film. And I just want to add, he had a had a wicked sense of humor, was yes. very much a family man. I can remember going over to his place out in the valley over there, and the backyard would just be full of all the neighborhood kids uh, swimming in his pool. I wish I could remember what day we, uh, what the show was that uh, when we had him on, uh, we can look it up on the, on our schedule. Yeah, you can look it up, and uh, I think it was this year that we had him on around the, around the, uh, for, around the first part of the year. So you just go back through the podcast there. And it was and a great show. If you missed find it, it, yeah, uh, you'll enjoy great it. Great show. Yeah. It was a hoot. You can listen to it again and really there you go. just enjoy it one last time. Exactly. All righty then. Um, it what is, are we doing this week? It is the movie Saturday show. And uh, as we stream live from the White Stallion Ranch, which we stream every Saturday from the White Stallion Ranch now, yes. uh, our, movie, our movie Saturday program this time is the works of uh, Anthony Quinn. You know, when I was looking up on stuff on him, and I've got like, I think, 28 or 29 Westerns. A couple of them are modern Westerns, but they're still Westerns. But, you know, one of the things that struck me is the, the stature of this man is astronomical. That he never, him and Wayne never did a picture together. Yeah, because what a teaming that would have been. That, that, you know, the oh, screen yeah. would have exploded. Oh, and by the way, the uh, movie that is being shown, uh, the outdoor movie at Empire Ranch uh, Foundation, uh, coming up, uh, Last Train from Gun Hill, that is filmed at the Empire. It also stars Anthony Quinn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Kirk Douglas. Todd, you have uh, you have some personal things about Tony. About uh, Tony Quinn, I do, uh, and uh, luckily for our audience, um, it, enough time has passed that I can talk about it because his oldest son Francesco, yeah, who was truly the splitting image of him, who was a tremendous actor in his own right, uh, who deeply, deeply loved his dad, was deeply. Uh, loyal to his father and honored his dad in in life and in death uh you know uh told me a lot of great stories about his dad um a lot of funny stories about his dad um and uh you know he he used to say you know um sometimes you know i i i look at my work and i might feel pretty you know good about a day's work and then i'll think about my dad or maybe I'll see one of his films on television and I go to myself, you know, I might as well just go become a mechanic or something. Uh, Because I'll never, you know, he used to say, I'll never, I'll never, I don't know that I'll ever be that good. And I used to say to him, uh, you know, you need to realize that your dad was so unique that that adds a lot to his his, I won't say his talent, but his impression, his his uh, the 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 mark he left on acting because he was so unique. You know, he was the first ever uh, Latin American art uh, uh, actor to be nominated and win an Oscar, um, and he's also uh, you know also holds the record for the two shortest appearances in on screen. Uh, to uh, garner a nomination uh, and also in turn win for those films. Uh, Viva Zapata and Lust for Life, one is 22 minutes of screen time, the other one is 18 minutes. It's the shortest amount of screen time uh, in history to win and uh, nominate, be nominated and win an Oscar Actually, for an Ned, actor. Ned, I, did not, I don't want to correct you, but Ned Beatty Actually, uh, for his best supporting actor was shorter. He had one scene, <laughs> but that was later. Oh yeah, this was nineteen. This was oh, nineteen fifty-three yeah, yeah. and nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah, I mean everybody talks about um, 
everybody talks about uh, uh, Montgomery Cliff and Judy Garland in Judgment at Nuremberg because uh, they they play victims of the Nazis during the Holocaust during World War II, and uh, you know uh, how great they both were in short screen times. But I'll tell you, uh, no one does more with the eighteen or twenty minutes than than uh, uh, Quinn does in in those two films, respectively. And let's remember something. He's up against, uh, in Viva Zapata, he's up against Brando. And in uh, Lust for Life, he's up against Kirk Douglas. So it's not like he had, uh, he he was alone there. Yeah, he wasn't. It'd be a lot easier if you were alone. He's, He's competing with two of the greatest actors, I think, that ever lived. Um, two totally different styles, but both tremendous actors. No. And of course, this goes to the last train from Gun Hill because uh, they're in that film together, and it's probably one of my favorite westerns of all time. You know, it was an interesting thing too about Francisco is that he, in a couple of movies that he did with his dad, he played his dad as a younger man, and the resemblance was so great that it was just totally hundred percent believable. You know. Did you ever work with uh, Anthony Quinn Bunker? No, I got I would I, I would shoot off my left toe if I could have. <laughs> yeah. The man, he just you know, he I, it's hard to find the right words to describe this guy. He was protein. He was he was like a, he was like an actor on Olympus with the gods. He what, just, why was that? What what made what was this guy's stature that uh, allowed that to happen? I think it was the fact that he was Tony Quinn. That was it. You look at his. You look at his his life. You know, uh, his mom and his dad. Uh, they were off fighting with Pancho Villa. His mom became pregnant. They uh, and they wouldn't let pregnant women fight. She went home. Eventually, by the time he was three years old, they moved up to El Paso. Were there for a while. Uh, then moved to California. His dad worked as a uh, animal handler with Selig uh, Films, and then a cameraman. But uh, his dad passed away when he was really young. Later on, you know, he goes on. He's he's kind of a street kid, uh, and uh, this, he tells this story that the Mexican kids would come over to the house and want him to go with them to fight the Irish kids. And the Irish kids would come over to the house and want him to go fight the Mexican kids. And he said one thing in his life is he never felt like he was accepted in either community because with the Quinn name, uh, Irish name in Mexico, he, you know, and then the, the uh, Mexican on the other side, he just said, as he, and he was always, he's like, the descriptions of him is, was he was shy. And, you, and the funny thing is, when you get up to him when he's a man, and you, we're talking now in his 60s and older, uh, when the people, Mickey Rooney described him on, uh, on the Larry King show. He says, he says he was shy. He was boyish. Wow. And that's, you know, that's a, you, don't, you don't see that nature in the film. From his but, screen but, work, but, no. you know, But you can see the playfulness there sometimes. Yeah. And the other thing, though, he then, he moves on. He's, he's, he's in the streets. Uh He's asked to play the saxophone. Here's the thing. He started drawing when he was six years old. Huh? And, you know, and, you know, he's learned to play the saxophone. He's asked to play in the uh, band for the Amy Simple McPherson, you know, the Pentecostals. And he said, I can't do that. That's not, you know, it's not right because they're, they're Pentecostal and I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. And the priest tells, tells him, go do it. It's good. He says, don't be judgmental. He goes over there. Amy Simple likes him. She takes him with her in her car to in speaking engagements in East L.A. and the other barrio districts, and he translates for her, and he's like a young man. He's like 11, 12, 13 years old. But he has these, then he, then he, he starts boxing. And you know, he even boxed against Primo Canero at one time. I think he sparred with him. So, yeah. But uh, his boxing coach said, Tony, don't do it. He says, you're too kind-hearted. Oh, well. And so then he moves on. He wins an art contest, and he gets and, he, and the the winning the winner gets an apprenticeship with Frank Lloyd Wright. Well, now he goes. He's back in Tulsa yeah. studying with Wright, 
And this is something that I hadn't known, but apparently as a young man, he had a slight speech impediment. And uh, Wright told him, he says, and he paid for it, he says, you need to get that fixed. And so he set him up with a speaking coach, but he also went in there and they did a tongue thing where they clip a part of the underneath the tongue. Uh-huh. And so that, but that's when he got the acting thing. And he, and he told, he told Wright, he says, Hey, he says, cause this man is an artist at heart. He wants to create art. He tells which I want to do this, but I, I also, I want to act. And, and Wright says, go for it. He says, you can always come back to art. But you know you do it, and so he gets into that. But you just you see, and you see here's a guy who's constantly overcoming stuff. But you get the feeling that the only thing that holds him back is maybe that shyness. But he's also got such a tremendous drive and such a humongous uh, curiosity. He's like a reader, you know. The, one of the daughters on the King Show said, they asked me, he says, was your dad a reader? And he says, oh, he he, he read a book a day. Hmm. One of the other daughters said, sometimes three. And one of the sons said, he says, he says, at least 10 a week. Wow. You know, so the man was a protein. I mean, you, you got to imagine his curiosity and his, his, he wasn't afraid to do or try anything. And I just, you know, you, you look at that. I think it's in one of the quotes I told you yesterday about him, about, mm-hmm. you know, don't, the only thing you have to fear basically is fear itself. Yeah. Wow. Todd, anything you want to add there? Well, I'll add that the, you know, he did want to go off into acting. He had been offered a contract by a studio for $800, um, uh, I think it was $800 a week. And uh, right, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright said something to the effect of, go take it. You can always come back because I got to tell you, you're never going to make that much money with me. Yeah. So um, and he did. But, you know, he he just uh, he was he was not only he, he truly was a renaissance man because he was a pa- painter. He's a sculptor. He was an activist, uh, yeah. a political and cultural society activists, you know, when um, the native, when AIM or the remnants of AIM took over Alcatraz Island, they asked him to come and talk to them and visit him. He visited them in 1969. Uh, He was asked to come and speak at the first ever Mexican-American conference. You know, he narrated the film Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Uh, uh, he was a supporter of Cesar Chavez. He was very involved. He wasn't just, and to your question, Harry, of how, uh, you know, what, what is it about Anthony Quinn that separates him? What, what created this iconic person is because when he worked, uh, yes, he was a Renaissance man. He was a painter and a sculptor and he spoke five languages and all these things, but he never phoned it in. He was. Uh-huh. He gave it as all every, in every performance. Right. And uh, you know, I don't know too many other guys that have gotten eighteen nominations from all the different uh, uh, different um, bodies in the, the art world uh, for acting. Plus that he won four, right? Two Oscars, a Golden Globe, and a National Board of Review, and a Laurel. Um, yeah, and Shoes of the Fisherman. Um, you know, I, I know we love all his films, Zapata, Last Train from Gun Hill, Zorba, Lust for Life, uh, Last Train from Gun Hill, of course, Wild, Wild is the Wind, but um, Shoes of the Fisherman um, is, it, to me, is, is as good as it gets. And I have to say also that Guns of Navarone, which was oh, one of Frankie's favorite films of his father's, um, which is, that's the only film... A poster he had in his garage of his dad's was wow. the guns of Navarone. And the scene um, in, in when they're caught, when Gregory Peck and David Niven and, and, um, Gregory and Peck. Anthony Quayle are, and Gregory Peck uh, and Anthony Quayle are caught, Jan, and, and James Darren, uh, and they're brought into the, in the military base there, into the German military base, and the the captain is there and he's trying to question them or colonel and they don't want to give any 
you know, they're not going to talk. Well, then all of a sudden here comes the, the SS guy and, uh, Anthony Quinn puts on a performance that is, is in that scene is so powerful that it makes you uncomfortable. You, you, you can see the, the disgust, um, it's all a ploy. He gets down on his hands and knees and starts crying and he falls apart emotionally to, to distract right. the Nazis so they can overtake the room. You don't know that, uh, number one. Number two, uh, you're watching the faces of, Anthony, of Gregory Peck and David Niven and Anthony Quayle and James Darren. The utter disgust on their face is it's it sucks you in so when he does do the move and takes the room over from the nazis and gets their guns and ties them all up you're almost shocked because you start to think about how uncomfortable you were when you saw this man break down speaking of being shocked he was we need to do a commercial that's right we'll be back sorry yeah that's okay (laughs) no no problem <laughs> we'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It's Movie Saturday. We are streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch, and our topic is the works of Anthony Quinn. We'll be back after these messages. cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Are you looking for a your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. What happened to you? Oh, we was having an argument with one of them cow stealing nesters when a couple of fellas in the store jumped us from behind. Who were they? I don't know. I never saw them before. More settlers, I suppose. They're coming in like grasshoppers. This is the Voices of the West.
on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts with you. Request for some Ken Curtis. Hey. And there you have your Ken Curtis. You know, them pesky settlers are worse than I know. grasshoppers. I reckon. Yeah. Uh, home on the Range, uh, Ken Curtis performing with the Sons of the Pioneers. Great stuff. No question about it. It I is want to all go back a good just a stuff. second. Yes, sir. Uh, Todd, when he was talking about the first contract, you know, eight hundred dollars yeah. and right to well, uh, years later Quinn corrected that and said it was three hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow. <laughs> but now uh, a fellow who was right, wrote a book about him went so, went so far as to go back and track down that first contract, and it was even less. It was seventy five dollars. My God! But that's how that's that's, that's, how, that's how they worked. Hollywood for yeah, you. That's how they worked. Yeah. Yeah. What was uh, Anthony Quinn's first movie? His first exposure on I think the big it was screen? Parole or something like that. Todd, any idea? I, I haven't looked it up. Oh, I, I looked it up, but I didn't write it down because it wasn't a Western. I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't deal with it. If they're not <laughs> it's not a Western. To hell with it. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> thank you, Bunker. Um, you know, he didn't make anything of any Western. <laughs> That's just filler. <laughs> filler material. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm going to argue with you. I, I, I feel the same way as you do. Um, I also have to say that I can't not include um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, when he says, you know, to Lawrence of P.H. Lawrence, I'm a river to my people and the entire group of extras and in unison start shouting his name uh, and they stand up. Uh, it's, it's really powerful. It's really, um, he, but he, you know, a lot of times you look at an actor and he, you know, is the character who's commanding everybody what to do on the screen. All the other actors are extras and they're all running around based on what he's pointing or yelling at them and so on. But when you get, Anthony Quinn to do it, you believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like you want to stand up too uh, in that scene. Uh, and you know, talking about Last Train from Gun Hill, yes, it was shot on the Empire Ranch, but um, you know, that's got a hell of a cast in it. In wow. you know, including Carolyn Jones and Earl Holliman yep. uh, and Brad Dexter. Brad Dexter. Uh, but it's important to remember that when you really watch that film, he. Anthony Quinn plays his character um, as a mob boss. He's a, he's a, he's a mob boss in a cowboy hat. He runs a ranch. He's got this large group of guys around him who do anything and everything he says to the letter. Controls the and town. He's, he's a mob boss. Yeah, controls uh, the town. But his first film was in 1936. He was not credited. It was Todd Flight Spectator. Uh, is the name of his character, but he was uncredited, and it was called The Milky Way in 1936. He made another film that same year called Parole, That's and he played a character in 1936 called Zingo B- Browning. So uh, maybe we'll say that's his first real film. I want to go back to Lawrence You have Arabia. a name of Zingo Browning, boy, oh boy. <laughs> I want to go back to Lawrence Arabia for a minute, because this is the story that Quinn tells, and I think it's just it, it, it's telling, and it's uh, just strengthening what Todd just said, but uh, he hadn't met uh, David Lean yet, and he's supposed to meet him because it's like you know the job is still not solidified. So he goes, he but you know, he's going, you know, I'm going to go. And he goes to the wardrobe, and he gets he gets outfitted in the burnoose and the the whole thing. He goes to the makeup guy, and he works, and he actually put his own nose on. Uh-huh. And he comes out of makeup, and all of the Arab extras that are just—they're just lounging around. I hear been on a set, you know. They're and, they're and here you're talking like hundreds of them. One of them jumps out and goes, "Abdul, whatever the guy he was playing," recognizing him as this historic character. Wow! And he's, he walks down to the set to meet uh, McLean, David Lean. They're following him and they're chanting his name. And Lean looks up and he says, who is that guy? I don't care who he is. Hire him and get rid of that Quinn. There's a great story in uh, 
in uh, from Lawrence of Arabia, where David Lean had, I believe it's Anthony Quinn and and uh, uh, Peter um, um, Peter O'Toole, and he says, uh, "I want." They're out in the desert, and he says, "Stand here, uh, you know, five ten feet away from each other, like you will in the real scene, and do the scene." And they're like, "Well, we we don't have our we don't have our props, and we don't." We don't have our stuff, and we're not in costume. And he goes, just do the scene. And he says, and we don't have anybody standing around us. He says, just do the scene, please. So they do the scene. He says, now I want you to both turn in the opposite direction, and I want you to walk 50 paces. And he says, uh, now do the scene. And he says, I can't hear him. And Peter O'Toole says, I can't hear him. He says, do the scene. So they do the scene, and it, by this point, they're shouting it to try to hear each other. So then he, uh, Lean says, okay, now I want you to walk, turn in the opposite direction and start walking, and don't stop till I tell you to stop walking. And he's got a bullhorn. And finally, they get really far away from each other. He says, with the bullhorn, now do the scene. And Quinn says, how can I do this scene now? I can't, I can't, I can't. He says, do the scene. I can barely see him. Yeah. And it was the point for uh, uh, Lean was that he wanted them to get from each other, concentrate on what the other one was saying through his hand motions and his and the flow of the scene, the tempo of the scene, instead of what you were saying yourself as the actor. Or what is printed on the paper. It, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's jump back up to uh, Last Train from Gun Hill, because there's an interesting little side point here. Uh, he got a Laurel Award in 1960 for the tack, top action performance in that film. And... Uh, you know, and it's a strong film, you know, because if you look at Douglas's character in that, uh, he's a marshal whose wife has been raped and right. killed by Quinn's son. Yep. And he goes after the boy. But it's not a revenge movie. He is, he, you know, he, he's torn apart by this, but he's a professional. This is what you got to do. And the one that's torn apart was really Quinn. Yeah. Because his son, who, who he dotes on, and who's, you know, the, the typical spoiled son of the... Robert Barron, uh, and you know, the son is Hallman is killed by his buddy. It, it took part of the rape accidentally, but Quinn, it's still you know, and, these, and they're playing guys who are old, old, old friends. And Douglas doesn't want to face him down, and Quinn, you just he, and and it's like you know, Quinn is this is suicide by cop, right? It really is when you really think about it. And it's it's a powerful film. We got to do our Very next, powerful. We got to do our next commercial break here on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. So hang on the line here, or wherever you might be hanging, because we'll be right back with much more. We're doing Anthony Quinn, the works of Anthony Quinn on Movie Saturday, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch here in Tucson. We'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned. switching back to pen and paper to run your business. Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses horses be 
mules and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. You're darn tootin'. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. A little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around. And that's just a gentle hitch. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our red henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, Get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. This is Sergeant Whitlock, United States Cavalry, and I'm here on Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Uh, we play the High Chaparral theme song because you have to. Well, you know, I was just thinking, <laughs> listen to that. You know, if Anthony Quinn had done done the Senor Montoya down in Mexico Park instead uh-huh. of Silvera, uh, he would have dominated that show and would have been running the Chaparral by the third episode. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about one of my favorite. Let me re- redo, get going with, uh, what am I trying to say here? Oh. Uh, hey, this is the Voices of the West oh. and uh, our movie Saturday program, and we're talking about the works of Anthony Quinn. You know, I used to do this for a living. Yeah, no. And what a living it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it just shows that we're having more fun It was, more, a, good, more it was fun a good gig while it lasted. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. All 20 seconds of it. Well, yeah. I want to talk about a Western. I, I don't hope you guys, I know you haven't seen it. I hope Todd has seen it. Because I think this is a, a really outstanding little Western called The Ride Back. No. It was done in 57. Uh, a fellow named Alan Minner, Miner did it. Uh, the uh, producer was Robert Aldrich, and he supervised the filming of it. But the producer and uh, co-star was William Conrad, who okay. has come off of Gunsmoke. Yep. And in fact, the script had been one of the Gunsmoke episodes. Okay, the ra- one of the radio episodes. Yeah, the radio. Yep. And uh, Joe Byrock, was one of the great cinematographers, shot it in black and white. But it was uh, Tony Quinn playing a character named Bob Kellen. And uh, Conrad is a deputy sheriff, Hamish, who, you know, he's 
what he what the Conrad was in real life, kind of a portly, you know, guy that a lot of people just they didn't keep him serious, and he was a hard luck guy. His wife, you know, thought he was a nobody and a failure, and they need somebody to go down into Mexico and bring this uh, notorious uh, Mexican bandit back because he had killed two men in what was probably a fair fight. So uh-huh. he goes after him and he brings him back. And it's a four-day journey, but it's the two of them coming back with the conflict. And you know, this is one of the things where Flynn gets to show his humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know they reach a point in the thing where they're attacked by Indians. They picked up a girl along the way who's everybody in her family had been wiped out by the Apache. Uh, they reach a point. Conrad is wounded, so you know he, he like he rides away. He leaves him, comes back. Takes, helps him get back into town, which means he's going to go to jail and stand trial. But it's just it's just such a tight little film. And uh, some of the people that have seen it have said that this is one of the sleepers of the 1950s. So I put, I put that on your list if you haven't seen it. All right, then. How about The Man from Del Rio? Ah, that's my second one. Anthony Quinn, Katie Hirado, Peter Whitney, Big Boy Gwen Williams, 1956. With Blissel. And that's a great story because in that one, he's he's a Mexican who's good with a gun that drifts into this little Texas town, and Peter Whitney runs a bar, and he's he considers him, and he's like bragging the fact that he used to be a gunman himself, and he brings in gunfighters from time to time to to stage little pistolero duels uh, to drum up business, and anyhow, a guy is in the, one of these guys is in Ernie. He starts picking trouble with Quinn, and Quinn just beats him so bad that uh, Whitney thinks, I've got a new star. Mm. He goes on. He ends up being made sheriff after the, after the sheriff is killed, but he's not accepted by the townspeople because he's Mexican. Katie Giraldo, who's Mexican, but a, a respected fa- family, she's like, we'll have nothing to do with him. But time goes by. He gets in a fight, breaks his wrist. Whitney sees it, finds out from Whistle, who overhears the thing with the doctor, and says he can't handle the gun. So Whitney goes, oh, this is my chance. Yeah, right. Calls him out. Uh, he goes out into the street, unwrapping his wrist as he goes along, and Whitney goes from blusterous, I'm going to gun him down to a quivering lump of lard. <laughs> but it is, it is an awesome, awesome western. Buffalo Bill, 1944, Joe McRae, Maureen O'Hara, Anthony Quinn, Thomas Mitchell, Linda Darnell, uh, Moroni Olson, directed by Maroon the Olson, great yeah. William Wellman. Um, the, Thank you, Todd. The, 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 per, the place where I f- I'm looking at this, they say that William Wellman directed some very good westerns, such as The Oxbow Incident, Ye- Yellow Sky, and Westward the Women, but this is not one of his very best. Um, uh, I would have I to take issue with that because... But there's a great side story there. Okay. Uh, Quinn got Can't in Can't forget di- Edgar Buchanan. Exactly. Quinn got in a dispute with Wellman, yeah. and they got into a fight that, would, if they'd have put it on screen, would have been the best <laughs> fight in the film. And I'm sure well, Wellman was no... Uh, he was a scrapper. Yeah, he was no uh, no flower whatsoever. I mean, the guy yeah. who served in World War One for God's sake... Uh, I think Buffalo Bill was a, a really good movie. Of course, I'm a huge Joel McRae fan anyway, so you know, the there Indi- you go. The Indians crossing the river out of the village is one of the most used black and white stock shots of yes. all time. Yes, It's a great movie. Uh, Warlock. I, go ahead, Todd. I agree with you that I think it's a great film, and um, you get the, you, you, you kind of, you get caught up in the momentum of, of that scene, um, with uh, Joel McRae and Yellowhand uh, when he goes to the river. They meet at the river, and, oh, and, 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 and you're watching something that really happened. Um, you know, they didn't realize that it was the other one until they got close enough and in focus. Then they both tried to hop off their horse, and, of course, Charlie Russell painted it so vividly, um, you know, taking Yellowhand, the killing of Yellowhand, taking that scalp, and then, raising it uh, and screaming back to the cavalry, the first scalp for Custer. Um, 
it's powerful. It's a powerful film, and always. And Maureen O'Hara is fabulous. By oh, yeah. she's so beautiful, and Edgar Buchanan is so touching as uh, as the the old um, uh, the old soldier who you know. Uh, as it turns out, how, how typical of the army to forget to mail somebody's retirement uh, 32 years late. Hey, so, it's the um, same as it ever you know, was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Harry. You would know. Veterans, um, veterans screwed by the government since 1793. And you yeah. know, he did six pictures with Marino Hero. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just everything about the film works. Uh, Thomas Mitchell is excellent as the newspaper reporter who's trying to promote him. Um, and you love the film and I still get a small tear in my eye at the end when the, uh, when he says goodbye and retires and, you know, says goodbye to everybody at this Buffalo Bill and the traveling show and that little kid on crutches, you know, Hollywood knows how to hit you right where it hurts. Exactly. Um, you know, we love you too, Buffalo Bill. I always get a little bit of a, of of a thing. And in truth, you know, the real Buffalo Bill was somewhere between Joel McRae's portrayal and uh, Paul Newman's portrayal. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere. Uh, how exactly in the middle? I don't think so, but so, you know, I think it's somewhere in there, and I think it's a great film. Still a great just, film. No, yeah, no great film. And then it. you went on to the next film was uh, which one, Harry? Well, the uh, the title is El Hombre de las Pistolas de Oro, otherwise known as Warlock. Yes. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a fun you know, movie. I, this is a film that I talked with our great founder about, uh, uh, Emil, many times. Yep. Because uh, it is this, you know, it's the story of, it's the story of Wyatt and Doc Holliday, mm-hmm. uh, just reframed. Uh, obviously, um, I, you know, I've said this, I said this on on the show with Emil, um, that this film and Rio Bravo. Obviously, in my opinion, inspired um, the film Appaloosa with Ed Harris and B. Joe Mortensen, mm-hmm. um, because you take it's the derivative of both of those films. Uh, and I think it's interesting. Uh, um, obviously, I think it's a bit more taken from Warlock by Robert B. Parker, who wrote the novels and wrote right. the screenplay from his Great. own novel. Um, you know, he wrote th- two subsequent uh books about Appaloosa, the same storyline, the same characters. Um, I just think that Warlock is, is it, there's, Anthony Quinn's betrayal is, again, here we go again, I'm being repetitive, but he makes you uncomfortable. Yes, he does. His, 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 his sense of this perverted loyalty to Henry Fonda's, uh, Wyatt Earp. He's made an idol out of him. Yeah. He's made an idol out of him. But you also start to, he starts to expose himself in the scene in the, in, in his own room where, uh, Henry Fonda goes up to see him and say, listen, the Cowboys are coming into town. Um, and, uh, the little Richard Whitmark, Sheriff is going to get ambushed and killed, and we should go down and help him. And he's like, "No, we're not going down to help him because if he succeeds, you and I are out of a job. We're not heroes anymore. We're nothing, and we got to start all over and move to the next town." And Fonda's point is: first of all, isn't that the point of all of this? Isn't that what we're never in any one place for too long? We come into a town, clean it up. And hand it over. Mm-hmm. Because as he says in the opening scene, he says to the townspeople, the town council, who basically vote them in with their dollars and say, you know, he says, you know, this is how it's going to work. You guys are going to love us. You're going to think we're saints. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's going to end. And they're like, what do you mean? Why would it end? We wouldn't. Well, we'll never <laughs> yeah. want to get rid of you. Uh-huh. And he says, oh, no, you will. Yeah, You're going right. to come to hate us and despise us. Just wait. <laughs> because we you hold we hold your town hostage yeah. because of our overwhelming ability to keep it safe. And and at that point is when Fonda says, well, I'm going down and I'm going to go help uh, Whitmark. And 
against the Cowboys, who one of them, by the way, is uh, DeForest Kelly yes. uh, from Star Trek. Yep. And uh, Great he's, uh, you know, Bones from Star Trek. And he's as he starts to walk towards the window, Anthony Quinn brushes by him, grabs a six shooter and says, uh, why don't you have yourself a drink and sit down? Because <laughs> we're not going anywhere. And he's convinced that he'll get outgunned. He doesn't. He survives. And, you know, it only makes it worse that that loyalty turns into, honestly, a perversion of self-service of himself. Well, speaking uh, of self-service, okay, speaking it's, of self-service. It's time to do a commercial. That's right. we got to do our final commercial Thank break. Thank you for the segue, Todd. You know, yeah, it's a great stuff, man. Uh, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. It is Emil Francis. Whoops, Voices of the West. We will. I hit the microphone uh, stand there. So uh, we'll be back with much more about to wrap up the program after these important messages. Stay tuned. Cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Read classic Western comics anytime at Voices of the West. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank in Tucson. 520 Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Now you listen to me. We've done what we were hired for. All you have to do is to pay off and we'll pull out of here. You're not pulling out till I say so. Well, it's like that, is it? Yeah, just like that. You can save your suspicions and double talk for somebody you can scare. This is the Voices of the West. Voices of the West. I could listen to this stuff all day long. It's uh, Palace of the Golden West along with Smiley Burnett and uh, called the Rocky Mountain Express. Welcome back to Abel Francis, the Voices of the West. Harry Alexander along with Bunker de France and Todd Roberts in the Los Angeles area. Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles. Hey, I want to run through a quick list of some of his. I'm just too many Westerns. Yeah, Anthony but Quinn is our topic list. for today a and quick uh, quickly running down. So go ahead. The Oxbow Incident. Yep. Ride Vaquero. Yep. Wild is the Wind. A Walk in the Clouds. Viva Zapata. Savage Innocence. Seminole. Under Strange Flags with Tom Keene. Ha ha ha. The Plainsman. Union Pacific. 
Death Smith and Johnny Ears and on and on and on. And he directed The Buccaneer. He replaced yeah. Cecil yes. B. DeMille out of illness. But, uh, and he had a, a part in there as Belouche. But, uh, you got a favorite Anthony Quinn movie, Bunker? It's a toss-up between The Ride Back and uh, Man from Del Rio. Todd? Well, uh, for me, it's, uh, as I said, um, Zapata, uh, but also Last Chain from Gun Hill are my two favorite westerns. Uh, Anthony Quinn's favorite film that he did himself was The 25th Hour. Uh, uh, that was his personal favorite. It was also Frankie, his son's, maybe his personal favorite. And the great director, George Cosmatos, who made uh, Tombstone with Kurt Russell, that was his favorite film as well. You know, it, you, you talk about the favorite, the actor's particular favorite film. And uh, let me preface this. Todd sent me an email earlier today about uh, yesterday was John Wayne's birthday. Uh, would have been his birthday. And, uh, and John Wesley Harden. And John Wesley Harden. Um, and in the very few moments that we have left, uh, Todd sent this email that said it was John Wayne's favorite films. And uh, the article also quoted Spike Lee, who stated that anything by John uh, Wayne and John Ford is racist. And he has nothing to gain, nothing to, nice to say about any of those movies from those two Racists. Who's Spike Lee? Spike Lee. Who is he? Uh, yeah. Never heard of him. Uh, he's uh, an alleged filmmaker, and my response back to Todd was the alleged filmmaker Spike Lee negates a film genre, mm-hmm. and basically what he says is racist in, in its own. Oh yes, because he, well, he he's, he's, he's ignoring. It's, it he's goes igno- beyond racism. He, he's it's igno- hatred. He, it's hatred. He's ignoring. Uh, the contributions of two men into the to the film industry, and um, you know Spike Lee, go pound sand. Yeah, I don't watch your movies anyway, and I don't care. I want to throw in. Well, it's last. so good to see that Spike Lee is in. Uh, you know, uh, I thought everybody on the woke side was open, loving, no. inviting, <laughs> and caring. Warm no, and uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I and I let me apologize to our audience. That obviously is my mistake. I apologize. Yeah, right, for that. right, right. I want to um, point because out. I was misinformed. Yep. I was I was incorrect. I was wrong. Yep. Uh, number to... one, but number two, let's 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 remember something. Um, you know, uh, and I know our show's about Anthony Quinn, and it's o- o- basically ending. But um, I don't know how anybody could say that based on the fact that Ford won six Oscars, you know, and Wayne won one himself, but was nominated other times. So well, you know, Mayo it's good to see that you're really so a student of film. Go. Yeah. Uh, but back to more importantly, um, it's also important to remember that Anthony Quinn was also a writer. He wrote several fiction. Uh, fictional novels. Huh. Yeah. Uh, he was a good writer and a great sculptor and a great painter. A world and class I think anybody would be doing there. themselves a favor to watch some Anthony Quinn films. Yeah, look up his sculpture. It, it is awesome. I want to point out one other thing about Quinn. Of all of the American actors, he is definitely the first American actor who became an international actor. Uh, yeah. He was... A, he was Every you know, he's in Greece, in Spain, in Italy, uh, in the Arab world. Uh, he did several several not biblical but historical uh, Arab pictures that in the Arab world are the all time grossing pictures. Uh-huh. The guy is a he's, he's he's a giant. He belongs on Olympus with, with Zeus and and the mighty Thor. And he might have played him too. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did play Zeus yeah. in five Hercules movies. All right, that's our uh, show about Anthony Quinn. Next week when we uh, get together here, streaming from the White Stallion Ranch just north of Tucson, we've got uh, Melody Groves. Uh, She was scheduled for last week, but last week we didn't do a program because my granddaughter graduated from high school, damn it. And And they were celebrating. And then we were celebrating. And uh, it was was a good time. Good time had by most, most at least. Most most of all. (laughs) It was fun. Do you remember the end of the day or by that time? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. That's okay. That means it was a good day. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, being with us. Todd, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate everything that goes on here on this program. And uh, Thank you, Anthony Quinn. That's going to do it. 78, 79, 80 Quinns to you all. (laughs) So long, everybody. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.